Here is another in NBC's outstanding parade of new shows, dramatically transcribed. Four Star Playhouse, a repertory company of four great Hollywood stars. This is Robert Cummings. This is Rosalind Russell. This is Fred McMurray. This is Loretta Young. Yes, these are the stars heard weekly on Four Star Playhouse. Ladies and gentlemen, one of our four star players and star of tonight's play, Robert Cummings. Thank you. And in behalf of Rosalind Russell, Fred McMurray, and Loretta Young, let me welcome you back to our four-star playhouse. As you know, every Sunday night at this time, Roz, Fred, Loretta, and I appear in new dramatizations of stories selected from Cosmopolitan magazine, stories by the world's leading writers of popular fiction. How often have you all had the strange, haunting experience which made you say, it seems that all this has happened to me before? Psychologists call that phenomenon prevision. Tonight's story explores an experience in prevision. We think it will hold you spellbound right up to its stunning and fearful finish. Prepare now for gripping action as we bring you Maurice Baudin Jr.'s strange and powerful story, The Hunted, in which I am Fred Woodard. The Hunted. <laughs> I was tired. Looking for a job in a strange city wasn't doing me any good. I was hot. I felt weak. My eyes throbbed. My head swam. I had to sit down. To escape from the heat, I went into the small air-cooled theater. Feature picture goes on in ten minutes, mister. Oh, thanks, Usher. Hot out, ain't it? That's terrible. You look beat. Why don't you sit down and wait till the newsreel's over? Oh, thanks, I will. I sat down to rest. I wasn't the only one. Across the lobby was a man, sound asleep. A man with a paunch. A man with a white scarf around his neck. And then she came in. The girl came in through the front door looking hunted and furtive. She saw the man with the paunch and started. Paunch opened his eyes and got up and walked toward her. In a panic, the girl dashed into the powder room. Paunch sat down again and closed his eyes. I didn't like it. Not a bit. Uh, Usher. Yeah? Uh, that guy over there with the paunch and the white scarf. A, yeah. A girl came in and he tried to make a pass. Oh, forget it. Happens every day in theaters. Me, I keep my nose clean. I keep out of it. Uh, I don't like it. Routine. Don't let it bother you. I glared across at the sleeping fat man. And then my head began to nod. And then... There she was again, the girl. She was coming in through the front doors again, with a hunted, fearful look on her delicate face. Impulsively, I got up. News will be over in five more minutes. Oh, excuse me. Please, I'm in a hurry. Yes, I know, and, and that man sleeping over that fellow with the white scarf is bothering you. Who are you? You wouldn't know me. I'm a stranger in town. He isn't asleep. He's pretending. Let me speak to him. No. Is he bothering you? Uh, he's following me. He's everywhere. I, I tried to hide in here. Here, give but... me these parcels. We'll walk out here together. 
He won't follow us. He will. Come on. Don't look back. He's getting up. How do you know? I see him in the mirrors. He's following. Well, let him. Faster. He looks fat, but he's quick. Well, then we'll ride. Let's see. Uh, uh, taxi! Taxi! My name's Fred Woodard. I'm Ruth. <laughs> Are you listed that way in the telephone book? Just Ruth, if you don't mind. Okay, Ruth. Oh, uh, driver, this is all right. Uh, we'll get out here. Here, take my hand. Thanks. Okay, driver, how much do Fred, I... Fred! Hmm? It's him. I looked back. The punch was getting out of a taxi and paying his fare without even glancing at us. And then he stood at the curb and lighting a cigarette, ignoring us, but knowing we were there. Knowing we would always be there. Here, driver, keep the change. Come on, Ruth. He can ride as fast as we can, but he can't walk as fast. Oh, can he? Let me go back and smack him so he stays smacked. No, that wouldn't do any good. Hmm, still behind us. No matter how fast we walk, he keeps the same distance. I'm going back and talk to White Scarf. Don't. Well, why? You said you wouldn't ask. All right, but... Hurry. I'm hurrying. Run. Any further. No, not at this pace. Oh, let me sit down on this bed. Oh. Oh, it's all pretty strange. I'm sorry. Maybe you'll tell me about it someday. Maybe. Hey. What? Hey, surprise. What? We've lost White Scarf. Yes. Well, now what should we do? How about lunch? What did you eat? Ages ago. Well, let's eat. I feel good again. <laughs> I don't remember ordering this iced coffee, did I? You did, and very plainly. <laughs> That's funny. Obviously, you're too much for my presence of mind. I hope you won't regret our meeting. Oh, it's highly unlikely. Say, do you re realize how rudely other men in this restaurant are staring at you and wishing they were me? Now, just glance about you modestly and... <laughs> no. Don't. Is it? White scarf. Five tables behind you. No, no, don't turn around. Now, just smile and look animated and I'll do the same. Now, here's what we're going to do. I'll tell you when to look up at the clock and exclaim about the time. Yes. And I'll, uh, I'll stand up. And say goodbye. All smiles, just like this, see? And and we'll part like old friends. Going to see each other again. Make up something as you leave. All right. What about you? I'll stay right here. He'll follow me. And I'll follow him. I don't think he'll like that. He'll know you're following him. I want him to know. Now, look up at the clock. Yes. Oh, dear, look at that time. I really must go now, Mr. Woodard. He's getting up to go, too. Of course. Well, I'll meet you afterward. Um, Wheelock's department store, the information desk. What time? I'll be there in exactly an hour if I'm not followed. Meet you there in one hour. Okay. Give me a big goodbye now. Oh, it's been awfully nice, Mr. Woodard. Maybe we can do this again soon. Well, yes, Friday. Good. Well, it's a date. Goodbye. See you Friday. Right. 
And here comes White Scarf, right on schedule. Uh, got a match, friend? Did you speak to me? Uh, match? No. Going someplace? Yes. Uh, why are you following that girl? What girl? You know what girl. Point her out to me. Why, she... well, she's gone, isn't she? You think I've lost her, huh? Who? The girl. What girl? Hmm. Who knows? Well, we must uh, do this again sometime. Not too often. Well, that's up to you, isn't it? Good afternoon, fool. He walked out, obviously no longer following Ruth. Her trail was lost. I was pleased with myself, so pleased that I could hardly wait for the hour to pass to tell Ruth that I'd shaken White Scarf. I went to Wheelock's department store. I waited for her at the information desk. Oh, oh, there you are, Fred. Here's some packages for you. Are you getting bored or tired? Bored? No. Didn't you see the excitement? Excitement? No. Well, it seems someone lifted a dagger at the antique jewelry counter, and they just found out a few minutes ago. <laughs> more confusion. Oh. Well, I'll be back again soon with more packages. Do you mind? Don't go away or get lost, will you? Don't worry. Okay, sucker, come along. Who? Come on. White scarf. Let's go. Well, you found us again. If one knows where to look, one finds. What do you mean by shadowing us this way? We ask the questions. Now, come along. Where? Upstairs. Who are you? Guess. The police. Come on. Your lady friend's waiting for you. Lady friend? Come on. I remembered vaguely reading something like this in the past. But what was it? I had forgotten. White Scarf took me upstairs to a bare room with a single desk. I saw Ruth staring at the floor. She didn't look up. There was a pile of parcels on the desk. Behind the desk stood a tall, blonde man, about 35. He started speaking the moment White Scarf pushed me into the room. Oh! The first thing you better do is empty out your pockets. You're not talking to me. He's talking to you. Better do it. What are you raving about? You'll find some things in your pockets that don't belong to you. Why, they I belong to Wheelock's department store. Why, I... Well, good Lord. Put the watch in the desk, would it? I, I don't know how it got there. What else is there? What? Oh, this gold cigarette lighter. On the desk. Why, I never saw these things before. See here. Don't deny your Ruth's accomplice. Accomplice? Why, I... I... <laughs> oh, Ruth. He's a shoplifter. Shut up. Just <laughs> remarking, Murray. Remark when you're asked to remark. Well, li listen, li wait, this is crazy. You're, you're saying that Ruth is a thief and I helped her steal? There's some excuse for Ruth, but there's none for you. <laughs> no, oh, please, Ruth. Don't, darling. I don't know why I do it. I can't help it, Murray. I can't help it. I don't realize I do it. All, all these things are stolen. Things on you were. But I knew nothing about it. Ru Ruth, tell them. Miss Fleming cannot answer for anything she does. You can. Who are you? Miss Fleming is not an ordinary thief. If she were, this would be for the police. As matters stand, the stars permit me to make an adjustment on the merchandise she uh, appropriates. She is in the clear. <laughs> You'll get it, though. Well, this is crazy. I, I didn't realize what she was up to. You'll serve her sentence, too. Shut up! Take her to the next room. Come on. Come <laughs> on. 
Look, look, I'm not a thief. I, I'm not a thief. And I'm not the police. But I am that poor girl's fiancé. Fiancé? I've been doing everything in my power. Everything within the power of love and modern medicine to help Ruth. To cure her of her kleptomania. And when a sniveling, lying crook like you takes advantage of her and breaks down everything I've accomplished... Stop it! Oh, cut it out. She was in trouble. That fellow with a scarf was following her. She, she wanted my help. I hired him to protect Ruth against herself. And against weasels like you. You don't know what you're talking about. I tell you... I'm going to put you where you won't prey on sick and helpless people. Don't touch that telephone. Put it down, I tell you. I'm going to put you where you can't pull your low, sneaking trick. Drop it. Drop that phone. Operator, get me the police. Oh, I warned you. I, I warned you. I won't be framed. I won't. No one frames me like that. You hear? No one. to the four-star playhouse dramatization of Maurice Baudin Jr.'s cosmopolitan short story, The Hunted, starring Robert Cummings and featuring Lorene Tuttle and William Conrad. I'm coming. Are you alone? Yes. Well, come in. Oh, Fred, I'm so terribly sorry I got you into all this. I didn't mean for you to get into trouble. I never in the world would have wanted that. Well, you did steal those things. Yes. Well, why? I don't know. I can't help it. I don't ever remember stealing them, but I do, I do. They watch me and they try to prevent me. Murray pays for the things I steal. He's been so good, so kind. And now... <laughs> he was calling the police in on me. I know. I don't blame you for what you did, not entirely. I let him have it. It was my fault, too. I let him have it, all right. Oh, why, why, why did you do it? I don't know. I lost my head. I'd, I'd have gone to the police myself, but... Well, there was something funny about what was going on. Some kind of a frame. White Scarf was too happy about sending someone up. But I... I wasn't going to be railroaded. I'm new in this town. I'm green. I can't take chances where I've got nobody to fight for me. I know. I'd rot here in jail. I know. But you didn't have to kill him. Kill him? Kill who? Don't deny it. White Scarf went into the room when he heard you and Murray fight. Murray was on the floor. The dagger. I, I didn't. I, I didn't kill him, no. Don't deny it. You stabbed him with that dagger I gave you. The dagger I stole at Wheelock. You... You stole that dagger. I must have stolen it. I stole it and I gave it to you. No, you, you didn't. I must have. You stabbed Murray with it. No, no, I... There, there, there must be some horrible... I, I couldn't have... I, some mistakes, some... some. Oh, stop. Stop lying. Stop pretending. I'm not blaming you. I gave you the dagger. I stole it and gave it to you. But you should have given it up with the other thing. I've, I've got to get out of this. I... I had to come here before they find out where you stay. Before they find out where... How did you know where I'm staying? I, I didn't tell you. I'm so ashamed. 
I, I ask you something. I know. I, I ask you how you knew I was at this hotel. There was a paid hotel bill in your wallet. My wallet? Well, how did... Oh. I must have stolen it from Perhaps in the store. Oh. Here, take it. Everything's there. You, you didn't tell them. No, no. I wanted you to have some chance. I wanted to do something for you. What? Bring Murray to life? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, wait. Let, let me think. I, I've got to try to think. Whatever I can do. Anything at all. Tell me. I'm so to blame for things. So tell me if I... I, I don't know. How, how long did you know Murray? Two years. We were to be married soon. Even before I was cured. How do I know you didn't kill him? I... How do I know you didn't keep the dagger and kill him yourself? How, how do I know you're not trying to pin something on me? No, no. Why would I kill Murray? Would I murder the man I love? I don't know. Maybe the man you love you hate. But why? I don't know why. Listen, child. We'll be heard. Oh, this, this whole crazy nightmare I have stumbled into. When will it end? Where does it all lead to? If I killed Murray, would I try to help you? He was doing so much for me and he loved me so much. And tonight we were going someplace special. Where? It doesn't matter. I don't know if it matters or not. I, I've got to ask questions. I, I've got to keep moving in my mind or I'll crack wide open. Where were you going with Murray tonight? It just might matter. There was to be a party at Maggie Bolton's. You know Maggie Bolton. I don't know anyone or anything. I'm new around here. Well, once a year she gives a big party and wears the Bolton necklace. Wasn't Murray afraid you'd steal the necklace too right off of her throat? Stop it! Wait. Wait, that's something. What is? I'm, I'm not sure. Murray's being killed just today, the day of the party. I don't know. Maybe. But you killed him. Oh, you did. You never gave me that dagger. I had no motive. I loved him. You were going to the Bolton party tonight and see the necklace. I had nothing to do with it. Nothing whatever. We're going to that party tonight. You'll be picked up by the police. Not unless you tell them I'm there. I won't. I don't know what I'm trying to find out. I, I just know I've got to keep moving and doing or I'll go crazy. Where's this Bolton place? We arrived too late for the party. Too late to see the famous Bolton diamond necklace on the famous Bolton throat. There was some excitement about the house when we drove up in the hired car. I left Ruth in the car and walked up the driveway, curving around into the darkness. And stopped short. Police cars. All around the house... I turned and began to walk down the driveway again. Hey, go! I began running. Hey, stop! In a panic, I plunged off the drive into the thick tangle of cypress that covers the huge ground. Hey, go! I lost the cop. In the dark, dense jungle of cypress, I even lost myself. And then something stepped out of the darkness. Something in a white scarf with flat, dead eyes. And a toneless smile. And that faintly foreign voice. White scarf. Don't move. I want to talk to you. Talk what? I want to talk to you. Well, there's nothing to talk about. Theft is nothing? Why, well, I didn't steal. Murder is nothing? I don't, don't know what you're talking about. Murray Lister. What? Well, I don't know anything about Murray Lister. You also deny that you strangled Maggie Bolton in the solarium an hour ago. No, no, I tell you. I didn't have anything to do with it. Well, I didn't even know she'd been killed. You didn't know she'd been killed? <laughs> no. No. You're not going to pin that on me, too. I, I didn't come near her. I, I just arrived. Say, 
How did you know it was an hour ago? <laughs> because I strangled her. You? I. Who, who, who are you? I will tell you so that you will have the caution and the self-interest to cooperate with me. I, I don't know how. Cooperate how? What? In what? delivering the Bolton necklace to me. Well, I tell you, I don't know anything about it. Then let me sharpen your understanding of it. I killed Mrs. Bolton when she refused to tell me where the necklace was. I strangled her. Strangled? With this white silk scarf. I, 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 I don't... I'm Apache, you know. French Apache. <laughs> I also stabbed Murray Lister. Of course. You went it alone after I knocked him down. Of course. Of course. I also stole all the things that Ruth Fleming is accused of stealing. Now we will put these together and it will become a diamond necklace for me. <laughs> huh? You're crazy. No. You're crazy, killer. You're crazy. You're crazy. No. Mary Lister had me to plant stolen things on Ruth to make her think she was a kleptomaniac. She... she doesn't steal? I do. I stole and planted your wallet on her. I stole the dagger and planted it on Mary Lister. But why? Murray was preparing with Fleming to take the blame one day for the theft of the Bolton necklace. That simple. I helped prepare her. But today I thought, why work for Murray Lister when I can go into business for myself? You, you've stabbed a man and strangled Maggie Bolton. I tell you this so you'll be warned. Now, <laughs> you will reply to my questions, or... Oh, wait, don't stop my... <laughs> There you see. The white scarf about your throat. <laughs> Enough. Enough. Be warned. I, I can't help you. I don't know anything. You do. No. You th lie. Why do you lie when you know how unwise it is to lie to me? <laughs> the strangler. Huh? Now, where is the neck? I, I don't know. Do you want to die? Do you want your eyes to stick out of your head? Do you want your tongue to go purple in your mouth? Well, do you? No, listen to me. You, you got to listen to me. Yeah. And into these lies. So I, I'm new in this town. I, I just came in last week. I picked up this girl, Ruth Fleming, in the theater lobby. I didn't know anything about her, anything about... Enough. No, li listen. And then to talk. Wait, wait, don't. Listen. Time not to act. Stop. Stop, don't. Hey, you see. Don't. Strangles. Let it go. The Apache way. The way of the Paris Apache. Vous savez? No, no. Die. 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 Excuse me, mister. Oh. Excuse me, mister. What? What's the matter? Wake up. You dreaming? Newsreel's over. Feature picture's gonna start. Huh? Wake up. You fell asleep in the lobby. You bought a ticket. Don't you want to see the show? I dragged myself back to consciousness. In seconds, the fabric of my awful dream unraveled and vanished. I was drenched in cold sweat, but overwhelmed with relief. And across the lobby, sleeping harmlessly with the paunchy man with the white scarf who had helped inspire my dream, or whatever it was, 
And then the door of the powder room opened, and there was the girl, the Ruth of my dream with a pale dread on her face. I got up quickly and eagerly to make the acquaintance of the real-life Ruth, or whatever her real name was. Box, lady. Excuse me. What? But, oh, I know you'll think that this is the usual approach by a stranger, but didn't all this happen before? What do you mean? Well, it just seems that we met before, just this way. I and... don't think so. Well, the feature picture's about to start. Might I join you? Oh, I, I couldn't. I mean, well... well... I'm sure this all happened before. Even, even the scared look you just gave that paunchy man sleeping there. Well, if you like, we could go in together, yes. Oh, thank you. Yeah, the honest feeling, really. I I've had that feeling, too, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody has. We went up the steps, talking and laughing. I held open the door leading into the cool dark of the balcony and stared. Below in the lobby, I saw the paunchy man slowly open his eyes. And look up at us. He got up. And with surprising agility began following us. With rapid, ruthless steps. A man with a paunch. An olive skin. And a dead smile. And a white silk scarf draped loosely about his neck. Following us. Four-star Playhouse, Robert Cummings speaking. Bob, this is Rosalind Russell with a very urgent question. Ros, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I tell you, I was framed. I... Oh, what urgent question? What happened to you after you picked that girl up in the lobby the second time? Did you meet White Scarf in Cyprus again? How did that come out? Oh, I was choked to death. Next question? <laughs> well, will you listen to me next Sunday when I do The Incredible Anna Lee? It's about a Hollywood motion picture actress, Anna Lee, a lovely and unpredictable ham who inflicts herself on films and on her press agent. How our ham becomes cured and our guy gets contented is the substance of next week's opera. Roz, it sounds very inviting, and I'll recommend Russell's remarkable recipe for radio enjoyment to all my friends. Thanks, Bob. And incidentally, thrilling show tonight. Bye, Bob. Thanks, Roz, and thanks for calling. Revoir, Roz. And good night, everybody, and thank you for calling. Call again next Sunday, huh? Night. listening to Four Star Playhouse, tonight starring Robert Cummings in The Hunted, written by Maurice Baudin, Jr., and adapted for radio by Milton Geiger. Lorene Tuttle was featured as Ruth, with William Conrad as White Scarf, Wilms Herbert played Murray, and Larry Dobkin, the usher. Four Star Playhouse is directed by Warren Lewis. Music composed and conducted by Albert Harris. Portions were transcribed. Robert Cummings may currently be seen in Walter Wanger's production, Reign of Terror. Each week at this time, one of our four star players, Rosalind Russell, Fred McMurray, Loretta Young, and Robert Cummings, is heard in a special adaptation of a popular fiction story selected from Cosmopolitan Magazine, written by the world's foremost fiction authors. 
On future weeks, you will hear Fred McMurray in a powerful two-fisted drama and Loretta Young, who was unable to appear tonight as originally scheduled due to illness in Virginia Faulkner's zany comedy, Once Upon a Horse. Next week on Four Star Playhouse, Rosalind Russell will star in Robert Carson's delightful story, The Incredible Anna Lee. Americans, in the present unstable condition of the world, the United States needs unity among its citizens more than ever before. We simply cannot afford to be divided by racial and religious differences. Such division among us is advertised in certain countries as a sign that America is weak and that democracy is a failure. Don't help such propaganda. The very differences that exist among our mixed peoples have given us the variety of contributions that have made our country great and free. Keep it great and free. Fight prejudice. In just a few moments, you are going to hear another of the NBC Symphony Summer Concerts. And one hour from now, Ethel Merman is sure to delight you in her own new show. For the best in entertainment all evening long, keep your dial tuned to your favorite NBC station. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company.